What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Origins podcast. So, um, I mean, the audio listeners will not be able to tell this, but we've now upgraded things to the YouTube and included video for the first time ever. We've never actually done a video podcast before. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this goes down on YouTube, but the support and everything on last week's episode was really good, to be fair, considering it was um, the first one we've released in a very long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're back regular now, so we'll start off with like a, a little weekly update. Tim, how have you been? Decent, bro. Firstly, the YouTube's going to be Origins Podcast YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, been well, bro. Um, decent week of training, hit 240-pound scale weight, which is, which is heaviest ever, something that's been bugging me for what a long long time um so hit that composition not too shabby i mean i'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit fat but you've been uh, way fatter before than what you are now i've been, been way fatter and to be fair it's just all my abs still it's just just like i'm just like stood in the mirror and i'm just like why is no fat like onto my legs or like my ass or anything it's just it all just goes like, even my chest really just all goes to my ass I saw the picture that I uploaded, my delts and chest and arms are just like not fat at all. No. Face, uh, face and abs. Um, so it's 240. Training's good. Um, got pulled today. Um, but yeah, not really, not really. Can I think if I've done too much in the last week? And we've just been pretty busy with work, to be fair. And then, uh, and then just slung away in the gym. What about you? I, I mean, it's pretty similar. Um, I'm sat at like 194-ish at the minute now, which I don't know if we spoke about it last week, but that's like 29 pounds up from stage. And like <laughs> that's it's happened quite quickly. The last, well, I guess since we came back from Marbella, it's kind of shot up a little bit because I've actually just well, been able to train. 180 in Marbella. When we when we arrived, yeah, I left around one eight five or so. So it's like a couple of pounds a week there. Yeah, and then it's gone up another ten since. Yeah, which is a fair bit, but I I think I needed that anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that's happened in the last week is uh, brought the YouTube back with a nice little oh, yeah, change up in style. Like, I don't really want. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, I had a client check-in say they'd watched it as well. I really enjoyed it. Oh, really? Uh, someone say on their check-in, I've watched your, watched your boy's video. Um, yes. And I really enjoyed it and motivated him. So that was that was decent. And I do think he watched YouTube, to be fair. Who was it, would you say, on air? Yeah, yeah. Fitness teacher. Really? Buzzing. Oh, yeah. Sick. <laughs> the man. The man. Um yeah, so that's back, and that's like completely different to anything I've done before. Um, I'm gonna record another one of those tomorrow, but that's just like I just don't wanna. I said it in the video, I don't wanna vlog and film myself like making food and putting that to music and stuff because at the end of the day, it's, it's just like copying what everyone else does. And, and, bro, and sorry, go on. I'm stuck as well. Like, I obviously, I'm starting that diet and I was going to start YouTube again. Well, I was going to do it for a prep, but I will for the diet. And I'm sat here thinking now, what can, what can I do? Because I was just thinking that like, 
do I really want to be stood in the kitchen making some food and like vlogging it and then going to the gym? So it's hard to find a little a little niche for yourself. But I thought I thought the vid was good with the overlaying clips and you speaking behind over the top of it. I thought it, I thought it was good. Yeah, the, the thing with vlogging is like it's it's just so like time extensive, both filming like trying to you, you turn a normal task of just going to the gym into like a massive thing trying to get angles and whatever making food is the same coffee takes 10 minutes yep uh and then editing it is even longer like that that one took me quite a long time still just trying to overlay the clips and stuff properly let alone trying to match up music and and everything like that and obviously when we were like back in uni and we didn't really have much else going on other than like a couple of assignments it's all right to do it but now we're we're both so much busier with work it's not it's not a sensible decision to do with our time, really. And um, what I'm going to do is set a time lapse up for six hours while I'm sat at this desk. <laughs> we don't do anything else, just sit down at a desk. <laughs> Me painfully force feeding myself. Yeah. So the we put out on Instagram, both of us, a uh, questions box about topics to discuss in this episode. And, and one of them that we both got was... Well, yours was more so about like specialization blocks and kind of how to set those up. And mine was more so about volume and like optimal volume parameters for, for muscle groups and stuff. Um, so we'll kind of blend it into, into one, because obviously when we're looking at a specialization block, it's more we're looking at volume as well and like distributing volume to different body parts. So I'll kind of, Tim, if you want to like start off and just kind of define what a specialization block is and why we'd want to incorporate them. Well, firstly, um, the, the topics that we haven't uh, done as well, because I've had a couple, we will do in, in future podcasts, um, but we just thought we'll keep this one and, and blend it together because other ones are kind of off on a tangent and don't really link to these. So we will um, we will, we will do them in, in future episodes. Um, so obviously when we're speaking about a specialization block, we're looking to basically bring up specific body parts as opposed to pushing for pure systemic growth. So this overall growth that, that we'd see in, in a normal kind of training mesocycle. So say like an upper lower split, everything's going to be hit pretty frequently. Everything's going to be hit with, with similar amounts of volume um, based on, on the muscle group and what it can handle. When we're looking at a specialization block, we're probably going to pick one or two muscle groups and we're going to devote the majority of volume there. Uh, put the others kind of on the back burner, grow on a bit of minimum effective volume and the others we can escalate and push from there. So that's potentially if you've got weak body parts, if you've got body parts that you want to bring up or just body parts that you need to bring up for your class criteria. Nice summary. So we, we've obviously got like a systemic recovery capabilities. So if we, I mean, vol volume is obviously described it's not necessarily just number of sets, but it's quite an easy way of d describing things and outlining like total workload. Um, so let's say we have like a systemic capacity of, I don't know, like 50 sets, for example, across all muscle groups for a week. That's what we can tolerate as a whole before just like overreaching and whatever. Um, so that these, a lot of these numbers that we're going to say are going to be arbitrary and 
yeah. don't you know take them with a pinch of salt because they're different for everyone so when we're saying 50 sets a week you might be able to handle 70. someone with crazy level of strength might only be able to handle 30 who's far deeper into the into the training career uh go go ahead yeah so if we take that 50 we can then distribute the that volume across different body parts like tim said if we if you're a men's physique competitor we could maybe put even like up to like 30 40 of those sets towards the top line and then just like you say keep everything else on the back burner minimum effective volume enough to just maintain tissue which is actually surprisingly low for, for most people that train with a high enough like proximity to failure it's not going to be a lot of sets at all um the, the issue with specialization blocks is like most people d do need systemic growth most of the time. And I think it's, you can get caught up in like really hammering one body part when there's other weak areas as well. So it might be worth looking at more of pretty weak. Yeah. So maybe like having a more of a biased block as opposed to like a full on specialization block, hammering just your arms or just your delts, for example. Um, I mean, I guess we could cover like how we'd set up and how we distribute that volume if you want to across the week. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the, on the body part you're specializing on. So I know you did a leg specialization block when we were in Marbella and legs, legs and arms. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously legs is going to be much more systemically fatiguing than arms. So we're not going to be pushing the leg volume up to like 40 sets a week or 20 quad, 20 hamstring. Um, I, I mean, we could, but everything else would have to be at like two sets to accommodate for that. Um, whereas I think when I've done arms, I think, I think I've pushed it up to like 30 sets, bicep, 30 sets, tricep. Mm. Uh, and, and that was overreaching towards the end of the block. But with legs, it was it was nowhere near that. It was, you know, towards the end of the block, it was approaching like 15, 16, 17, things like this. With a lot more of the volume being accumulated from with legs, I guess all arms pretty much metabolic work, a lot of it. But a lot of the actual accruing of volume towards the end was just kind of metabolic pump work because it wasn't like it could add more and more to the leg press or to the hack. I couldn't go if there was safety bar squatting two days after I've just performed a, a hack squat or anything like that. So it was accumulating reps via, you know, giant sets, leg extension, seat ham, things like this, because we just don't have the the recovery capabilities to to recover from this. Same with if you was going to be doing um, back or a posterior chain. It's not like you can throw in an RDL and throw in a stiff leg two days later or throw in some kind of bent over row. The only way you would be able to do this is if you are really really new to your to your training career and where both loads on the bar of, of each rdl and bent over row are going to be so small that systemically you can recover from this but it, it just becomes a, a it's almost a, an inverted an inverted u graph in terms of how much you can in, in terms of how much you, i can do that now because we've got people watching <laughs> in terms of how much you can handle from from load to um to your recovery capabilities but was it that you did a did you do chest and delts i did chest and arms chest and arms so when i when i set that up my chest can tolerate a lot of volume and i know you're you're different to this you're the opposite aren't you so my chest so i think in in the last week i was around 30 sets each with bicep and tricep 
and chest was like 26, 27. Um, and I'd split them all up across for three times a week. So there was three sessions a week they were being hit. I think the split was chest and upper. So basically just upper, but with the chest bias, um, arms and lower, and then just repeat that three times. Um, so the, it was obviously evenly distributed across the week. And, but that's a perfect example of the, the variance between people. I don't know what you could probably tolerate chest wise. Uh, in, across a week, if I'm doing six in a session, I've got gongs for days. Yeah. So we like 15 max, that would be me overreaching. So almost half to what you've done there. So I was, when I did that block before Marbella, so before we started training together again, um, so much of that was from metabolic work or like fly cuff base work. Um, and then that kind of transitioned when we went to Marbella and we didn't have the, like a close cable stack to use for cuff flies or anything. So my pressing went up like a lot to get the chest 40 minutes through pressing. Um, and that had a big impact on the amount I could actually tolerate and because obviously pressing is more involved than just your chest. Um, so there's no way that I could have been doing like 20 plus sets of pressing a week because I just wouldn't have been able to recover and progress going into the next session. Yeah, yeah. I definitely noticed that with you just in general, you were you were fried towards the end of the week. Not, not necessarily locally to the chest, just that amount of pressing and with the loads, the loads were creeping up as well because you was in that period where you were just getting almost exponentially stronger week on week because it was post-show. Um, that was pretty rough. But in terms of something like arms, they're very easy to, to add into a specialization block because they're easy to recover from, both locally and systemically. It's a lot of it's metabolic work. And, and when we think about arm training, I think a lot of people got sold into that push-pull legs, JP, push-pull legs, arms will grow get fucking strong at the compound heavy work, you know, and uh, they were all put on the backbone. I do think it created a lot of lagging arms in physiques. I mean, both of us have lagging arms and there's, there's a lot of people out there that follow that PPL that, that, that definitely have, have lagging arms. And after an hour to an hour and a half of pushing or pulling, how much accuracy and intensity can you apply to some tricep pushdowns or some bicep curls because at the end of the day, at that point you 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 fucked and you, you want to get home and, and have your post workout meal like you don't really want to be doing fifteen sets of arms at the end of a push day. So devoting your own day to arms if you're if you're in a class where arms really matter. So both of us are physique guys. Um, we both also had years of training. We both also competed as well. Um, so. This area has been highlighted. It's not like with day one going into a men's physique and being like, I need weak arms where your chest delts back all week at this point. Like if we if we pose, we can you can anyone with a with an untrained eye can see, you know, he's got weak arms. If, if you look at my back double by or anything, you can see his arms don't match up to the to the delts or to the back. So I think we we initially started with just having an arm day. Um and it, it was a bit of a, a push and arm day, but we, we'd always throw, and I think that's key to understand as well, we'd always, we'd be able to tag a little bit of chest and a little bit of delts onto the arm day, but we'd always put it at the end because again, we don't want to fall into the trap of performing work prior to arms. And then again, not being able to deliver 100% intensity to arms. So we'd get arms done out the way and then we'd be able to tag on a bit of a chest by via a fly or, or some laterals for delts. 
Um, I do think like a push an arm day, again, if you're going to be pressing at the start, you just fall into the same habits and trap as, as you were if you were just going to be tagging it on to the end of push. But then recently what we have what we have done is um as we've said, we've 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 escalated volume. So by volume, we're going to define it as just number of working sets, where we've started with a particular exercise and um, a particular muscle group at, at the higher uh point of minimum effective volume. So we've probably probably got everything on what seven to nine sets and then we've got these say chest and arms starting at maybe 11 12 sets something like that and as the weeks go on just titrate volume up so add a set here and there to each each day you train them so have them frequently trained across the week and add a set here and there and after four or five weeks them sets are going to titrate up to as we've said 20 to 30 sets so the point where you overreach can't recover and then at this point this is when we deload wash off the fluid wash off the fatigue and then go again if you need to repeat that block again and go again and you know that if you finished on a if you know if you finished at 30 sets on biceps and triceps but you started at 12 you can easily start that next mesocycle off at 15 16 sets and then titrate up that way and um, it's always best to go in with 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 just on the upper echelon of, of the uh of the minimum effective volume and then titrate up and find your overreaching point um, and of course, in this period, you're still looking to progressively overload. They're not independent of each other. And it makes it makes sense that you titrate up volume and progressively overload still. I mean, for the past couple of years, it's all, they've almost been like independent of each other. They've almost been like high volume training versus overload. Yeah. Like log booking, progressive overload, low volume, high volume, where it, it, now you think back, I mean, we've been doing this what? Like nine, six, nine months or so, people are all, all catching on now. Not like we coined it; we've we've got it from Joe as we do a, a lot of stuff. Let's be honest, but it, 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 for years it's almost been this. They've been independent of one another. Why not? Why don't we progressively overload and then take sets and titrate up volume as as we progress through a mesocycle when recovery allows us to? Um, but yeah, it's. You got anything to add? Well, we can also throw reps from reserve into that mix as well, because that's another thing that would have been completely dismissed. Even us, like a year ago, would have completely dismissed that. But yeah. credits to people like Joe and, and and everyone at the Physique Collective, which are really like pushing this this kind of progression scheme of, particularly in in a specialization block of starting at like what, three three reps from reserve. If, if the block's typically like three to four weeks long, we can then progress that reps and reserve maybe one a week until that last week when volume's at its highest and then its intensity is also at its highest. So that's yeah. when we're obviously going to be overreaching because there's obviously so much fatigue being generated there. So that's something to account for as well. I mean, we personally don't or haven't incorporated that to its fullest extent when we've been doing these blocks. I'd say more so because of the way we just like to train. Yeah. I think, I think that becomes really important with, if you was going to be doing a, a full on, um, like my leg and arm was majority arm, but I had two leg days that I titrated some sets or two. But I think if, if say we were looking for an, an open bodybuilder, super heavyweight, someone that really needs to bring his legs up um, and he's got legs three to four times a week, I think this is when reps and reserve becomes really important because if you've got a hack squat two days later, you've got leg press two days later, you've got a pendulum squat and you're titrating these sets up from three to four to five, there's no way you're going to be 
able to do all out five sets of a hack, two days later, five sets of a leg press, two days later, five sets of pendulum squat. At this point, you are gonna have to work with reps and reserve and just creep that up to, to a closer proximity of failure as the weeks go on, as, as well as adding volume, because you know that fifth set of hack squat, if you've not left some reps, it's, it's just junk volume at that point. You're just, you're just chucking your nervous system in the bin. So I think with 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 specialization blocks where the where the exercises are so demanding, this is where reps and reserve is, is really, really key. I also think, you know, post-show, my guys post-show, I, I had them in a reps and reserve scheme coming out of it as well. I don't know if you used it to an extent. Subconsciously, yeah, because I couldn't actually physically train oh, wow. that hard. Just creeping out of that post show, we had them on a three, four reps and reserve. Then the next week we did that, and then we just we titrated up closer to a, a proximity failure. But I do think if you are a, a novice listener listening, a reps and reserve scheme, I think it's more for an advanced trainee purely because they actually don't know that their, their training thresholds or, or even how to get to a close proximity to failure. Um, I mean, how many times you get a, a new client that sends videos over and, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll tell you in feedback, I've taken it all the way there and you watch and you're like, there's, there's, there's three, four, five more. So they're already training for reps and reserves. So I think it is for a, the reps and reserves side of things is definitely for a, an advanced trainee um, that understands the parameters of, of, of training failure. Yeah, because like two reps and reserve is hard. Like that's not an easy set. Even three reps from reserve is not an easy set at all. Like when you know how to reach true failure, which I I personally feel like, and I, I say this to a lot of people, is like you almost need. I'm t- talking like personal experience here. You need somebody else that knows how to do it and has been there to take take you there. It's very hard when you're coaching someone to kind of put that through over like a WhatsApp message. Like when you, for me, example, when I first trained with you and Jermaine that leg day like I thought I trained hard and oh, yeah. you, you you get involved with people that actually do train hard and then you realize like okay there's there's levels to this and there's so much more that I could have been doing so like you said for, for beginners and people that aren't necessarily that kind of involved in the industry yet just if their kind of guide to, to failure is going to be different to true failure. So if you just tell them to go to actual failure, more likely there'll be a few reps from reserve anyway, rather than telling someone that doesn't know that gauge to hold back. And then they're, they're not even getting near enough to failure to stimulate any sort of response whatsoever. I think it was Dr. Josh Hill. That, For you. That took, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was on another level because that was pretty much high volume with every set taken to failure. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was mental. Three days on the balance with him and, and, and uh, ran deep in that. They, they absolutely, they ruined me. That's how the UFB uh, boys do it, isn't it? How the UFC... A <laughs> hundred sets a session. Forget a week. Nice. <laughs> I remember you used, you, you used to have like arguments with them in the gym about like how they'd absolutely batter themselves so they can't train legs for another four weeks again and you're just like what are you doing like how are you gonna how are you gonna grow muscle doing that every session of the arguments <laughs> it's so true looking absolutely 
like a poor girl that's barely been in the gym before, they'd absolutely nail her balls to the wall to the point where she's doing like barbell squats, half repping, 10 kilo aside, and then they strip the 10 kilo off and she's just barbell squatting, half repping the bar. She barely walked, bless her. She's not going to be back in the gym ever, let alone back in the gym in four days to train legs again. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some good guys at, at, at UFB as well. Um, not yeah. just throwing shade there. Oh, Rick, I, Rick, Rick is a boy. Yeah, I actually saw I saw a story there today, and I was like, I mi- I miss training there because the the, yeah. the equipment was good when we were training together as well. The vibe was good. Like yeah, I, yeah. I do miss I do miss training there quite a lot, I especially those, those leg sessions that we had. Yeah, um, that's the thing. I mean, Christian or vouch for this. The, the environment at York is just really. Yeah, really depressing. I mean, there's some good kit, but firstly, half the time the tunes are atrocious, but there's just no one in there that you look around and, and you're like, you know, is he really lifting that? That's, that? that's that's hyping me up for my set. There's no one when you look around and you draw some motivation. And most of the time you've got that fucking egg on the screen, sat eating cream of rice or his, or his, his Burford Browns, or whatever they call them eggs. He's sat there in his kitchen just looking at me. I want to go home soon as I see his face on the telly. Um, but yeah, the kit's great. It's just, it's just, it's not like on the, the hardcore ultra flex. It's not like when you go to Rotherham and you've got this person doing this and this around you. So it's a bit, it's a bit dead from an atmosphere standpoint, which is, which is annoying. Yeah. I mean, not quite, not quite the gym joint, no. Well, I, I've never actually been to a different ultra flex than Rotherham. And obviously, Rotherham's like the gold standard. But even then, I I, I couldn't train there all the time because of how busy it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's like that all the time or if I've just been unlucky when I've gone. But, yeah. Mm. You've got a load of new kit coming, have you seen? No. Yeah, like 10, 10 new machines. Um, so, I mean, to, I mean, to wrap up the volume side of things, just for the, what would you say... For someone starting out, they're going to write their own training program. They're going to go in, say they're going to go in with an upper lower or push-pull legs. What kind of volume parameters would you set originally? Um, and then, you know, take it from there. Well, how many sets for chest? How many sets for, for this and that? What would you say is there an arbitrary number that you could start at? I think for a single arbitrary number, I think about 10 sets per week. Is That's a good what I'd say, to 12, depending on the yeah. muscle group. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you it's it's trial and error, really. Like we're talking about these numbers like 30 sets a week. You could get into a training block where you're gonna like you're planning to progress volume up to, to 30 sets for arms or whatever, and you get to like 16 and your arms are rec- recovering like terribly and, and you can't handle it, then you know that then that's your personal recovery capability for arms. It's unlikely with arms, but even still, it's just trial and error and finding out what what works for you because obviously everyone is always is different in that regard. As we said, uh, just between me and Rob, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tolerate more than 15 max on chest and he could he, he titrated it up to, to 26. And he didn't start at 26, he probably started at about 12. Let's be clear on that. But yeah, if someone writing a training program, eight to 12, you know, the lower side of things for probably things like quads that, 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 that um, require high demanding exercises, so hacks like pressing, that are a large muscle group as well, so they're going to take longer to recover. Um, 12, you're looking at lateral delts, delts, 
um, arms. And then just see after one week, after two weeks, if it comes back round again and you're recovering absolutely fine and you think, you know what, I can I can titrate my chest up a bit more, I can titrate my back up, I'm not really sore after my back and I go back in after my next session and I'm absolutely fine, then you can you can move volume up or down. Um, but I think eight to 12 is a pretty good benchmark for, for someone brand new starting their own uh, their own program. I think as well for someone brand new, it probably isn't even worth looking at volume escalations like if if you are brand new the 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 loads you're going to be lifting are going to be so small um and you can just stick to to that volume for however long period of time and just focus on improving your exercise execution firstly improving like neuromuscular connection with body parts because that in itself is a skill and quite hard to do and hard to learn and just getting stronger as a whole and and not really thinking about these kind of things before you even think about adding more you've just got to focus on execution intensity first like your application is paramount before any escalation enters your mind at all like your application to every single set is is absolutely paramount then once you've been training for a while once you even start developing any kind of weak body parts or you have that that criteria in mind of that class in mind then potentially starts to specialize a little bit but i would recommend just systemic growth i mean i've a lot, a lot of people just on upper lower splits that just rinse and repeat it and just rinse and repeat upper lower and 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 they blow up from that. Um, so definitely remember that application is key, you know, form execution um, prior to any kind of, you know, you don't want to run before you can walk. You know, it's definitely, definitely it's, key. It's, um, it's not attractive either, is it? Like you, you hire a coach and they stick you on an upper lower split. Uh, you're expecting to get some sort of like really complicated mixed body part like quads and delts and then they've normally come from that haven't they they've normally come from chest and try this and that a five six seven day split a week or they've come from a push pull legs or something and you go yeah and you're going up a low and you can you can feel from their feedback like oh really that is that what i'm on yeah but it, it, it's a tried and tested fantastic split and the, the, the results show the amount of people i've got on it the results show and it's what's needed for that level of trainee. I mean, yeah. you even look at advanced trainees, so many run up lower splits. Even, even bro splits. If you, look bro at the, split. if you look at the advanced guys, it's very oh, common. Some bro splits, yeah. There's a, there's a few guys in my gym that like um, very big proponents of, of running bro splits. And to be fair to them, they are the, the bigger guys. <laughs> to be fair to them. It's always the case. Bet they flat barbell press. Probably. Probably got <laughs> fucked shoulders as well. You what? Probably got fucked shoulders as well. Yeah, every joint's fucked in three years, but they've got a big chest at the minute. Um, yeah, I think there's anything else to touch upon? On that topic, I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered everything. I mean, we can you can get further into programming with like actual exercise selection and stuff like that. I feel like that's more of a, another yeah. podcast in itself. I mean, on the topic of like weak body parts, because we, we've spoken a lot about arms and like gaps in physiques and stuff. I think it's important to pay attention to it. Like, obviously we, we've discussed volume and progressing that over time, but with like weak body parts, I know for me, for example, co- the connection is so important. Um, yeah. Like I previously, even when I did work up volume, especially for triceps, it would get to silly amounts of volume. But all I would feel is like 
my elbows hurting, my my forearms hurting, um, even my delts to an extent. Whereas if I when I just strip things back and just like slow the reps down and actually thought about contracting the muscle, it's that it is quite bro sciencey, like the stretch and squeeze, the, the typical like just focus on the on the connection. But obviously, if you're not con- contracting a muscle tissue and what you're trying to contract and you're not feeling it working, then there's obviously something else going on there, and you're not actually using that tissue to to move the load. So I think it's important to kind of master that if there's if you have a weak body part and you don't feel it or you don't get sore from it at all throughout a session and, and you feel other muscle groups kind of taking over even filming your sets and looking back at execution and thinking how can you maybe change the setup of an exercise maybe swapping like a an easy bar curl for like a single arm cable curl where you can kind of align your joints properly and things like that to, to improve execution and um, connection to the target muscle I'll use myself as an anecdotal um, example. My three weakest body parts are my hamstrings, calf, and my biceps. I don't get anywhere near as good um, neurological connection in them than I do with, with, uh, with, with all my other muscle groups. And that's something that I've really been trying to develop. I mean, hamstring, hamstring workout in terms of load, I pulled right down and literally gone for taking pauses in the shot pause in the length and so the reps right down and the same with, with my biceps from the exact same uh, even when I'm escalating volume every single rep standardized and it's more about as daft as it sounds just getting that fantastic contraction that squeeze that bro side you know squeeze um, and getting a nice pump as well and that all that pump comes with it um, but but yeah I, I agree particularly with like arms and hands in work that that, that mind muscle connection is key um, with all your isolation work anyway. You'll see these exercises that uh, you won't get a huge internal feel. Um, the, the, the bent over dumbbell row. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but definitely it's key. If you're not getting a strong mind-muscle connection, then, then strip the load back and uh, film, your, film the exercise and definitely have a look at your execution because it's, it's still absolutely key. It's still paramount in, 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 any, in any muscle group. Yeah, I think I think we've basically covered everything there. To be fair, no yeah, that's usual. <laughs> so I, I mean, we wanted to cover that topic mainly. Like Tim said at the beginning, we'll we'll go into other topics that get brought up rather than just like skimming over them at the back end of a podcast. We'll we'll kind of dig deeper into them in a full episode because there are some good ones that have been suggested. Um, I mean, because uh, we both got to get off, haven't we, pretty soon. So unless there's anything else that you wanted to speak about or chat about. No, I think it's good just to keep it uh, topics rather than just, unless we do a Q&A uh, app where we can quick fire questions. But I think when the big, when they're big topics and they've, they've gone hand in hand, what you've been asked and what I've been asked, uh, I think just spend the, spend the podcast talking about that and then we'll move on to some others next week because uh, they're two pretty big. Big, uh, big topics that we've spoken about there. I think we covered it off pretty fine. Any questions? If people have questions, feel free to shoot us a DM as well, and uh, and we can we can go into a little bit deeper detail there. Yeah, well, obviously, everyone, let us know how you enjoyed the video this time round rather than just audio. I'm hoping a lot of people will will like it. I know when I put up that poll. Um, on my Instagram, it was literally 100 percent yes. Like everyone else, but like people replying like, "Yeah, let's do it." So um, hopefully, we get a good response. 
Um, just quickly, when are you starting a diet? 16th Feb. 16th Feb. And how long are you doing it for? I've got no, no, I'd probably say about 12 weeks with me, but I've got no number in mind. So as long as it takes me to get pre-peeled. Well, you'll get the first like 12 pounds off in the first week anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't see it being that much longer than 12 weeks, to be honest, for me. Uh, yeah. Why? Just wondering. I, I was just wondering because I don't, I don't actually know. And I thought we could just get on the pod as well. Um so yeah, yeah. when when that starts, obviously I don't know if you will bring back your YouTube and if you'll do anything. I'm gonna yeah. document the whole diet on the physique collective as well, make a log on there. Um so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll document it as much as possible and almost make it like a, a mini prep. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah, one of them. Um so yeah, that's something to look forward to and more content coming when when you're dieting, it's always the case. Yeah, all the shredded picks. Would you? I mean, you're going to get pretty lean, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a photo shoot. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's that's exciting. Because I was saying last week, wasn't I, about you getting to stage again and like seeing the the difference from last time. So yeah. it'd be good to see that comparison when you get back down there. No, no, I'll definitely, uh, definitely do a photo shoot and, and get you know lean enough to make a, a comparison to the stage last time. Sweet. Okay, so we'll leave it there because we both need to shoot off. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Let us know what you think about the, the YouTube and, and getting this the video version of this out. Share it to your stories. Do the usual good stuff. Um, let us know any future topics or like just questions you have for either of us. Um, head to both of our Instagrams for any like online coaching stuff. And yeah, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers, guys. Cheers.